The word of the Lord endures forever. Let's talk about it on today's edition of Renew Network Podcast. Good morning, my friends, and happy Monday to you. Where I am, it is a lovely, sunny, kind of cool summer morning, (laughs) and uh, that brings some respite from the high 80s and 90s that we've been experiencing, and uh, so grateful for the sunshine this morning. It always uh, brightens the heart as we look forward to a new day. And uh, so does the Word of God. Um, What a great way uh, God's Word uh, inspires and encourages us. I always love starting my day in the Word of God. Um, It's just such a great encouragement. Uh, We are in 1 Peter, and we're moving on today. We're going to be finishing chapter 1, looking at verses 22 through 25 today. Some beautiful words from Peter as we wrap up this chapter in this section on Be Holy. Uh, We began that a couple of days ago. Uh, I think we covered that on Thursday and Friday, and we're going to finish out the section and finish out the chapter this morning. Um, But before we get into the Word, let's go before the Father. Heavenly Father, we love you today. We come hungry once again to the only place we know we can get truly fed, uh, where the food supply never ends, uh, but it just keeps getting better and better. And so, Lord God, we give you thanks for your Word today. Uh, We pray that you would impress it upon our hearts in rich and powerful and meaningful ways Uh, that you would bring conviction and hope and inspiration where those things are needed. Father, touch our hearts as we study your word today. Send your spirit to guide us as we go, and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here's 1 Peter 1, 22 through 25. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Now, Peter is obviously writing these words to a New Testament first century audience. Um, Many of the people that were being reached by the gospel were uh, Gentile converts to the Christian faith. That means many of them were coming from cultures where there was not just one God, but many gods. And they're now being taught the truth of the message of Scripture, which says there is one God, Yahweh, uh, expressed in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this is the faith, this is the word, this is the truth that was preached to the first century believers. But Peter had wisdom to know that his words were not going to just reach a first century audience, but every generation of believers after Um, Now, Peter and the other apostles and the believers in the first century believed that Christ's return would be soon. They didn't know how soon. They didn't understand what soon meant in the same way that we don't understand what soon meant. Uh, So um, these were words of encouragement to the believers during a time when uh, following Jesus was uh, greatly risky. 
you could be murdered. You could be martyred. You could be uh, tortured for your faith in Jesus because the Roman emperor did not like any challenges to his authority. And Jesus posed a tremendous challenge to Rome's authority. And so that is the setting. Uh, that is the um, ethos in which Paul Peter was writing these words to a believing community that was in great need of encouragement to continue on in the faith uh, because of all the exterior things that they were being challenged with and faced with uh, on their journey with Jesus. And so he begins with a great encouragement. He says, um, now that you've purified yourselves, now that you've experienced the redemption of Christ, Uh, by obeying the truth. We know that as believers, it's the Holy Spirit that empowers our obedience to the truth of God's words, the commands of Jesus. And if we're going to obey them, we're not going to obey them in our own strength. It requires that the Holy Spirit living in us help us live in obedience by conquering our will, by conquering our desires and causing us to submit to the will of God. And so uh, he says, now that you've been purified by the redemption of Christ, that you're obeying the truth by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, so that you have sincere love for one another, check your hearts. Is your love for your fellow Christians sincere? Is it forced? Is it something that comes naturally? Is it something that you're having to put great effort into? Sometimes love in people does require great effort. Um, but that love should be sincere. And Peter is saying, uh, so that you have sincere love for each other. Um, the believers in the first century needed each other so desperately. Uh, they needed to encourage and uplift and inspire and, and meet the needs of uh, other struggling believers who are really going through it for Jesus. And so it was of great importance that they express mutual love and concern for one another. And I think it's no less important today. We don't necessarily have um, the same level of persecution and uh, challenge to um, our lives on the basis of our faith proclamation. But many of us face challenging things and discouraging things and painful things. And how great it is to have a community of faith that you're connected to, to love you through that and encourage you through that. Um, Peter issues this challenge, love one another deeply from the heart. Love one another deeply from the heart. The heart is the only true place where love, God's love, uh, can be motivated from. <laughs> love is, uh, is something that finds its motivation in the heart, and then it finds its, its trajectory of commitment as we make a decision to keep loving, to keep doing those things that express the love of Jesus to others. And it's a choice. Uh, it's a choice with actions. And so I love this this word from Peter in verse 22. We move on to verse 23. For you have been born again. Now, um, what does that mean? It means that you have gone through the process of being transformed into newness of life in Christ. You are no longer the same person. The old has gone. The new has come, Paul teaches in 2 Corinthians. You are a new creation uh, in Christ. And so... You've been born again uh, from the inside out, not as if you 
uh, crawled into your mother's womb once again. Jesus wrestles with that as he has his conversation with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. But um, Jesus says in John chapter 3, you must be born again. You must experience the full restoration, the, the justification and sanctification of your soul um, in order to be uh, a follower of Jesus. And so uh, Peter affirms that the believers have been born again. They've been made all new. They are new creations in Christ. And this new birth is not of perishable seed, not of a earthly mother and father. You've been born once by an earthly mother and father, and that gave you this physical life that you experience now. But of imperishable, you've been born again out of the seed of truth that comes from the word of the gospel, that Jesus Christ uh, was born, uh, Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried in the grave, and rose to new life for you. And as you put your hope in that truth, as you put your faith in Jesus, as you profess faith in Jesus, that is the seed out of which your new life in Christ uh, uh, takes root. Uh, So we have not been born again out of the seed of a mother, earthly mother and father, but out of this supernatural, imperishable seed of faith through the living and enduring word of God. How do we know about Jesus? We know about Jesus from the word. John chapter 1 describes Jesus as the word, the logos of God, the, the very living, breathing word of God. As we know the word and as he dwells within us, uh, we experience this new birth in Christ. Peter goes on in verse 24, all people are like grass, all their glory is like the flowers of the field. We get old. (laughs) Things get wrinkly. Um, Our muscles don't work like they used to. Our bodies aren't as fast and strong as they used to be. We're like the grass of the field uh, and the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. Um, We get weak, we get old, uh, our physical bodies wear out, but the word of the Lord endures forever. God's word is enduring, God's word is eternal, God's word is perfect, God's word is true, God's word uh, will not fail, God's word will not end, God's word cannot be conquered, God's word uh, will always stand And that's the message that Peter wants to get through to us. And this is the word that was preached to you. (laughs) What great and precious promises uh, these words provide and remind us uh, that we we receive the word of God in Christ at, at our conversion. And when we professed faith in Jesus, it was on the basis of the preaching of the word. Someone gave this gospel to us. Uh, It didn't come to us all on our own. Somebody gave this gospel to us, and we heard it, and we believed, because we knew that that was the best deal going. There was no better deal on this planet than this message, than this truth of the gospel. And we realized our need for it, and we said, yes, Jesus, come and change my life from the inside out. I hope you've had that experience, my friends, of the transforming power of God at work in your life. If you don't know it yet, uh, the gospel says that if you uh, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And from that point on, you will experience 
the process of being born again in Christ. You will become a new creation. The old will be gone. The new will come. And he's faithful to complete the work that he starts until the day that Jesus comes back for the church. All right, my friends, be encouraged today by these words. I certainly am. And I thank you for taking time out of your day to study with me. God bless.